Welcome to the Homeschool Reading Podcast. Today's episode is a Q&A session that was recorded live inside my Facebook group. If you have a question that you would like to hear me answer on the podcast, please send me an email at sarah at homeschoolingforhim.com. Enjoy the episode. I've got a question for you. How do homeschool moms like us who don't have a master's degree in reading and 25 years of teaching experience teach our kids how to read in a way that helps them become confident readers who love to read under the covers with a flashlight? Here you'll find simple tricks and practical tools for making reading easy and fun. My name is Sarah Miller and welcome to the Homeschool Reading Podcast. Tonight, I'm excited to answer questions about teaching your child to read and about making the process of learning to read really fun and exciting and engaging for them. Because I know that so often when we start the process of teaching our kids to read, we start with kids who are so excited and who love books and who love being read to. And that process of learning to read can be such a struggle and so frustrating for some kids that it just sucks all of that love of reading and love of books away. And we don't want to see that happen to our kids. And so tonight I want to talk about some strategies and some tips to help you be successful with teaching your child to read and help them become a really confident reader. Okay, so questions that I got tonight. I want to start with this one um, that I thought was a really good question. And it said, tips for finding the right books for your kids. Um, Yeah, so I want to talk about how to find the right books for your kids and how to find books that they'll enjoy as well. So first of all, when we're looking for a book for our kids, we want to make sure that we choose books that are um, their reading level. So if we have kids that are reading independently, it's important that we choose books that align with their reading level. Um, And that can be tricky sometimes as homeschool parents because sometimes we don't know exactly what their reading level is. And so it can be really hard to figure out which books we need. If the books, you know, say what reading level they are, how do we know, right? Um, So the way that I like to use is actually a way that you can find your kid's reading level without needing to give them any kind of a formal assessment or do any testing with them. And so what I like to do is I use a website called Book Wizard, which comes from Scholastic, and I'm going to put that link in the chat as well. Um, It is bookwizard.scholastic.com. And when you go there, you will get um, an option to level a book. Um, And so what I do, what I'm trying to figure out my kids' reading level, is I choose about four or five books that I know that they can read pretty confidently. There might be a few words in there that trip them up here and there, but for the most part, this is a book that they feel pretty confident with. And so I'll find that stack of four or five books, and they'll go to this website, bookwizard.scholastic.com, and I will actually type in the titles of the books. There's When you go there, there's two options. You can either level a book or discover new books, and I'm using the level a book. So what I do is I type in the title, and then it will come back, and it will tell me the level that that book is in several different um, systems. So once I have that information, I'm going to repeat the process for four or five books total, and then that should give me a pretty good average of what level my kids are. And then from there, you can either use that level on their website to look for other books that are the same level, or you can take that information to your library and use it there as well to be able to find books that are the right level. 
I just got the good and the beautiful for kindergarten. It had more than I expected for that grade. Yeah, I have some friends who use the good and the beautiful and absolutely love it. Um, we got the, what did we get? We got handwriting. My books are all over here. We have the kindergarten book and I got it and looked through it and we ended up deciding not to use it. It was a couple of years ago and I can't remember why not. Um, but we do, it's up there, right over there. Um, yeah, so but I have friends that use it and absolutely love it. So I love that there are so many different choices because what works for one family doesn't always work for another. And that's really fun. I think that there are so many different options so you can find something that works great for you and your kids. Okay, so you're going to level your books using the book wizard. And then from there, the next thing for finding books for your kids is that you really want to make sure that you let them choose what they are um picking out from the library or what books they're interested in. Um, you want to let your kids choose books that are topics that they're interested in as much as possible and even let them choose the books. There's a lot of research that shows and it kind of makes sense that kids will be more interested in and more likely to want to read books that they've chosen. And when you think about that for yourself as an adult, that's probably true as well, right? If there was somebody that was telling you that you were required to read a book, like maybe for a class, you might be interested in that topic and excited to read that book and maybe not, but if you were choosing books on your own, you would be much more likely to choose a book that you were interested in, right? And the same is true for our kids. And so the more choice that we can give them, the better. Um, and that can be tricky sometimes to do. So when we have kids that are really young, we can help to walk them through the process of making the choice by uh, showing them how to do that. So even when my kids were super, super young, like too young to be able to really read or, or to, to know how to navigate the library, in the way, um, in the car on the way over to the library, what we would do is we would uh, have a little discussion about what they wanted to learn about. So I would ask each of my kids, what are you looking for books about today? And they would tell me several different topics. And then when we got to the library, we would work together to find that section and to choose some books from that section together. So that's a really good way to get kids started. You can also, if your kids are a little bit older, you can give them some specific lessons about how to use the computer to search for a specific topic, or you can start to introduce the Dewey Decimal System and you can show them how the books are organized on the shelves, or you can introduce alphabetical order and show them how they're organized by author if it's a fiction book. So lots of different opportunities there. Another thing that a lot of times comes up when we're choosing books is how to know if it's going to be an appropriate book for your child and how to know, um, like, how to, how to censor a book. So from there, there's a couple of things that you want to do. Um, one thing that we do is we'll check the book's reading level. So a lot of times, especially if it's a new book or a new series, I will open the book to a random page in the middle and just have my son start reading a chapter or like a paragraph or two. Um, and that will give me a good clue about whether or not that book is appropriate for him. And then the other thing that we do is we also do a little bit of a preview just based on the content of the book. This is something that we really have to be careful of in our house because my son is an advanced reader for his age. So he reads several levels above grade level and it makes it difficult because I need to really be careful that the subject matter of the books is appropriate for him because just because he can read the words doesn't always mean that he'll understand the topic or that it'll be an appropriate topic for him. And so this is something that we really, really work through. Um, so my first encouragement there is definitely 
to preview the books before you give them to your kids. Um, you want to make sure that you are reading what they're reading and that you're familiar with what's included in the book. I know that we do get really busy and that practically sometimes that's not always possible. So one resource that I like to use that helps me sometimes is the Common Sense Media Book Reviews. Um, I pulled this up to give you the link as well. I'm going to put this link in the chat. Common Sense Media Book Reviews. So when you go here, this is a little bit like IMDb, but for books. So they have specific reviews. It looks like they're up to... 6,800 titles. They're always adding um, just different children's books in there. And then when you click on the individual titles, it'll give you a little synopsis. And then it also rates each of the titles in different categories. So like, for example, I think violence is one of them. Um, and it'll give you like educational value and positive messages and some of those good things and tell you if that's in there. But then it'll also rate it for like language and violence and some of the other things that you might not want. And it'll explain whether or not those things are in there as well. So these are always a little bit subjective. It's always better to preview it yourself if you can. But in case of not being able to do that, this is a good resource that can kind of um, help you screen out some things as well. So that's another thing as you're choosing books. And then my last encouragement for choosing books for your, for your kids is just to really be open to other formats of books as well. So anytime that you can get your kids reading, that's a win. Um, and even if that means they're reading a graphic novel or a comic book, a lot of times those books can really encourage our kids and just reinforce the fact that reading is fun. And that's really good too. So you want to think about what your goal is with this book and whether or not that alternative format will still meet that goal. So if the goal is to get the kids reading and to get them having fun with reading, then those other formats like the comic books or the graphic novels can be really good for that. If your goal is to give kids exposure to more literature, then that can be good for that as well. Um, and audiobooks could also be a really great way to get your kids just exposed to more books if your goal is not that they're actually practicing reading. So hopefully that gave you some things to think about, about finding the right books. All right, I did want to share, let's see, I wanted to share one more question I think tonight about tips for teaching letter sounds and letter names to kids. And so I wanted to share my strategy for how I did that with my kids. Um, this was actually not something that we used curriculum for. What we used was a set of magnetic letters. And the ones that we have are the HAPE magnetic letters. I should have pulled up a link for those and I didn't, but I can try to put that afterwards. Um, but if you go out on Amazon and just search for HAPE magnetic letters, you'll find them. Um, there's nothing really magical about these ones. I liked them because they are wood on the front and then the entire back of the letter is magnet. So sometimes the magnetic letters have those dinky little magnets on the back. Um, and those made me nervous because at that time I still had kids in the house who were putting things in their mouth and so I didn't want those to be around. So I liked the fact that these letters were a little bit sturdier and had the full magnet on the back. Um, so anyway, we had a set of magnetic letters 
And what we did with these was a series of three different lessons. And this particular um, style comes from a Montessori background, which is uh, one of the things that I got to do as a classroom teacher before I became a homeschool parent was teach in a Montessori classroom. And so when I was teaching in the Montessori classroom, I learned about the three period lesson. And this is what this is. So the first time that we were introducing new letter sounds using the magnetic letters, I would get out a group of about five-ish, like between four and six letters that I wanted to practice. And I would just divide them out so the rest of the letters would go away and there would only be those four to six that we were working on. And when I was choosing, I was making sure that I was not including letters that are commonly reversed in there. So when we were learning our lowercase letters, we did not learn lowercase b and lowercase d at the same time because those two letters are the same shape, just a mirror image. So I was really looking for letters that could not be confused with each other when I was choosing the groups of four to six. So I would choose my group of letters and then the first time that we worked with them, my kids were just playing with the letters and I was sitting next to them on the fridge and narrating what was happening. So if I was teaching letter names, I would be telling them as they're putting the letter on the fridge, oh look, that's a B, and they'd be playing. Oh look, that's a C, or whatever the letters were. Um, and so I was just naming the letters to them. I was narrating, we were having a discussion, we talked about all sorts of things, but one of the things that I was doing was being really intentional to tell them the names of the letters. And my goal was that they would be looking at the letters, they would be hearing the sounds, and they would be feeling the shapes because they would be holding the letters. So I was engaging different parts of their brain and different learning styles at the same time. They were getting the visual from seeing the letter, they were getting the auditory from hearing me say the name, and they were getting the kinesthetic from actually holding that letter and feeling its shape. They were getting all of those at the same time, and the research shows that when we engage kids' brains that way so that they're getting their learning from more than one different learning style at the same time, that it really helps them to engage better and remember more. So we were doing those kinds of things. I was narrating, and they were playing with the letters. And so we did that a few times, and then when I felt like we were ready to move on, the second step was that I made it sort of like a, a game for them. Um, and our game looked like this. We would take those same four to six letters and put them on the fridge. And then I would say the name of one of the letters and see if my kids could give it to me. So I would say, oh, can you find the B? So I've already introduced that vocabulary to them. They know that that's the name of that letter. They've heard it several times before. And now they've got the group of four to six and they have to pick out which one is the B. And I'm not really grading them. I'm not telling them that it's a quiz. I'm not making a big deal out of it. I'm just kind of playing a game and seeing if they can find them. But in my head, I am keeping track of how are they doing on this? Is this going really well? Are they finding the letters right away? Do they know all of them? Are there any that they're struggling with? And so I'm kind of keeping an eye on that and in my brain and just, just keeping like an informal record for myself of what's happening so that I can know whether or not my kids know which letter it is. And over time, they're going to start to be successful, hopefully, with this activity, right? So once we get to the point where they're pretty consistent and they're able to tell me the letters or to give me the letters when I ask them, then I know that we're ready to move on to the final step. And that is to just put the letters and ask them what it is. So I'm going to hand them the B and ask them, what letter is this? And then once they can do that, then that tells me that they know those letters. 
So we're going to work on those three steps in that order until the kids can say the names of the letters, and then we'll add in any previous letters that we've done. So if this was the first group of four to six, we wouldn't have any previous letters. But if we've worked on a few other groups, then that would be the time where we could bring in the other groups and review. And then we'd be ready to move on and add another group. So that's how we did it. Um, this is uh, from the Montessori method. It's called three period lesson. And that was how I taught the kids the letters of the alphabet. So um, I like that strategy because it is pretty sequential. It's logical, but it's not very formal. It's, it's just felt like we were playing magnetic letters to my kids. And I don't think they knew that I was doing any of that three period lesson stuff. That was all just what my brain was doing. But they just thought that we were having a lot of fun with the magnetic letters, which is also true. So hopefully that is helpful in helping your kids learn the letters. That was how we started. Um, another thing that's important for kids to know is that there is a capital and a lowercase version of each letter and that the capital and lowercase versions say the same sound. So that's another thing that you want to be working on with your kids and practicing because whenever they see print in a book and pretty quickly after they start learning how to read, they're going to need to know both of those versions of each letter. So I think we're going to stop there with the questions. Thank you so much for listening to the Homeschool Reading Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode. New episodes are coming out all the time, so please make sure that you hit subscribe so you don't miss any of the fun. I'll see you soon.